the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We're not going to be able to unpack every single verse, but what we have here, I think, are the remaining five traits in the profile of the real deal Christian, of a true Christian. And what I want to do is to begin to walk through the traits here, starting in Matthew 7, verse 1. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for all the good gifts that you give us. People, friends, Lord, pastors, to stimulate and encourage one another to good works and so much more as we see the day approaching. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. We thank you for this blueprint for successful kingdom living given to us by none other than Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, our Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in part two of profile, uh, uh, profiling the real deal. What does a real Christian, what does a real Christ follower look like? We talked last week about profiling. You know, profiling kind of has a bad name today, but as we talked about last time, when you go online to look for a job, it says a successful candidate will have this profile. And uh, when I look for a son-in-law, he will have this profile, or he will not get the job, you know. Uh, uh, and also, you know that as you're walking down the street, you're looking for danger, you know. And, or like we talked about last week, if somebody rings your doorbell at 2.55 a.m. on Saturday morning, and they're standing there with a kind of a glazed look in their eye and a machete in their right hand, that profile probably will not have you throw the door open and say, come on in, let's have some breakfast, right? 
So it's not a bad thing when done for the right reason and in the right way. And as Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he begins with a profile in our hearts. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn for their sin and the sin of others. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the self-controlled. And we see the inner workings, the inner heart of a Christian. The Sermon on the Mount is not about how to become a Christian. It's a a treatise, it's a manifesto uh, that talks about how to live as a Christian. And that that manifesto goes from the heart attitudes to the attitudes toward worship. And when you pray, pray this way. And when you fast, do it this way. And it comes from the inside and it radiates outwardly. What's inside of us comes out of us. So it comes from the prayer closet to the public square. And as we move from Matthew chapter 5, which really talks about the attitudes and the heart of the law and the heart of a Christian, the heart of a Christ follower, and we move into chapter 6 where it begins to talk about our heart of worship and how we don't do our righteousness before men to be seen by men, but to be pleasing to God, to, be, to bring glory to God and good to others as we still let our light shine before men that they may see our good works as we, as we give, as we pray, as we fast. Towards the end of chapter 6, we move into what we look like in our natural habitat, what we look like out in the world. And, you know, last week, last week we talked about uh, the, three prof- the three elements in the profile of a Christian. The first three, we're going to do five more today. The first three was, were that a, a true Christ follower is faithful. He, he doesn't try to serve two masters. He's not engaged in divided loyalties. And therefore, he's faithful to the one who saved him. And we talked about that he's fearless. It's not that he's without fear, but he or she fears less. They're not worried about clothes or food or this or that, but they're seeking first God's kingdom. Which brings us to the third attribute in the profile, and that is a Christ follower is focused. He puts the kingdom of God first. And that's how we can identify somebody. Well, this week we take up the question yet again, what is the profile of a true Christ follower? And this week we're going to get into the last five attributes in the profile of a Christ follower, the last five ingredients. And what I want to do right now is call your attention to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. As we go through this and survey it, it will not be on the screen because of the length of the passage. I will read it to you, as we always do. You can follow along in your Bibles or in your tablets or on your phone. And as I read through, see if you can begin to spot these last five attributes that we're going to be talking about. These five attributes in the profile of a Christian are necessary for successful kingdom living, for living right side up in this upside down broken world. Let's start in uh, Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not even notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 6, do not give what is holy to, to not give, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We're not going to be able to unpack every single verse, but what we have here, I think, are the remaining five traits in the profile of the real deal Christian, of a true Christian. And what I want to do is to begin to walk through the traits here, starting in Matthew 7, verse 1. And the first trait is this, the first or the fifth, or excuse me, the fourth trait in in the profile of a Christian is this. He or she is humble rather than hypocritical. He or she is humble rather than hypocritical. Where do we see this? Verses one through five. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What's going on here? Let me tell you first and foremost what is not going on here. Let's start with what is not going on here. This is not a command not to judge other people. This is not a command not to evaluate the conduct of other people. We live in this age where, you know, who am I to judge? And we kind of have the wishy-washy thing and we don't know what truth is and this is your truth and this is my truth and people take this verse and say well judge not lest you not be judged that's not what it's saying I mean if, if you if you just look at the text and say what do the words say what do the words mean and what do I do we understand we are being told not to judge hypocritically not to evaluate hypocritically I mean If you never judged or evaluated anything, you'd never cross the street, you'd never leave your house, or if you did, you'd be playing with a present on the yellow line on a freeway and get run over because you didn't have the judgment, the evaluation, or the common sense to be safe. Beyond that, Matthew 7, 6, the the immediate context, calls for judgment, calls for evaluation. Don't give what's holy to dogs. How do you know a dog? How do you know somebody who's not serious about the Word of God, who's not serious about hearing from you? You... You make an evaluation. You judge on the spot. Matthew 7, 5, uh, 7, 15 through 16 calls for the evaluation or judgment or profiling or scrutiny of the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So that's not what's going on here. Even in James, he repeats the theme that Jesus elucidates here. Does, does a spring 
pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine bear fruit, bear, bear figs? Neither can you, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Or as Jesus says, you know, you, you don't get figs from thistles. So it's not saying don't judge. So when some postmodern, you know, whatever tells you that, understand and pray for them because they haven't read their Bibles. We are not being commanded not to judge. In fact, in, in John seven twenty four, Jesus says, judge with righteous judgment. Don't judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. John seven twenty four. So what is it saying here? It's basically saying this, before you tear down somebody else's house, make sure your house is in order. What is it saying here? It's saying people in glass houses should not throw stones. All those good cliches. Jesus puts it this way in the Gospel of Luke. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Look at this last sentence. For the measure you measure, the measure you use will be measured against you. It's basically saying, be careful. Be careful. Be careful to be quick to jump on somebody's case when your problems are bigger than theirs are. Be careful about scrutinizing somebody else when you haven't even turned that mirror on yourself. You remember last week how I said we want to use these two messages as a mirror rather than a pair of binoculars? We need to turn the mirror on ourselves. We need to evaluate ourselves before we get a pair of binoculars and scrutinize the people next door or put somebody we know under the microscope. The Word of God in this case is to be a mirror with which we evaluate or judge ourselves. And that's why Jesus says in verse 5, You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You see how that works? So he's saying, you know, make sure you're right with God before you try to tell somebody else they're not right with God. Make sure of that. And that's why he says in Matthew seven twelve, So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log? Think of the scale here that is in your own eye. And that's the hypocrite, right? That's a Pharisee. He's jumping all over everybody else because it's easier than dealing with his own sin. But humility, humility bids us, requires us as true Christ followers to take a good long look in the mirror before we are swift to give somebody the left foot of disfellowship. In fact, in Galatians 6, 1 through 3, Paul sort of builds on this idea. The Holy Spirit tells us through the pen of the Apostle Paul, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Look at this. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something, then he is nothing and he deceives himself. First, take the log out of your own eye. The real deal is acutely aware, acutely aware of his or her own sin and broken over it. And that's why it says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because when they see the same sin in somebody else, they're less inclined to get mad and jump on them with both feet and more inclined to grieve for them because they know what that sin has done in their lives. And because blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because they have come to Christ themselves... They understand that they are spiritually bankrupt apart from the grace, apart from the sovereign grace of God. And therefore they are meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the self-control. Blessed are the non-impulsive. And so that's why humility is the fourth trait in the profile 
of a real Christian because he's not quick to judge. It doesn't mean that he doesn't. It doesn't mean that he doesn't evaluate, but he takes a good long look at himself before he is so quick to condemn or to scrutinize others. Which brings us to the fifth element of the real deal. A Christ follower is reverent, not wasteful. A Christ follower is reverent, not wasteful. What do I mean by that? Well, it's right there in verse 6. Do not give what is ho- to not give to dogs. You know, it's funny. For years and years, you use this translation, then you move to that translation. So I've got this memorized in another translation. Do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. What does this mean? Well, a moment ago, we talked about humility and hypocrisy, right? And hypocrisy takes many forms, shapes, and sizes, just like people do. And a true Christ follower is very careful to honor and respect God, to honor and respect his name and his character. Remember our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, hallowed, respected, honored be your name. And yet, in our culture often, as Christians, bearing the name little Christ, you know, the the believers were first called Christians at Antioch, which means little Christ, which means we're a reflection of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. Sometimes we conduct ourselves in a way that brings disrespect and reproach upon the name of God. How do we do that? We condone sin. We say, who am I to judge? We passively live out our faith, which means we don't live out our faith. We don't think about how I can bring glory to God in this moment, how I can bring pleasure to Christ in this moment with what I'm about to say, think, or do. We have to be careful. We have to be reverent with our lips and our lives. We have to conduct ourselves in the appropriate way. You know, I love the analogy here. It uses dogs. Now, I know I have cats, but I grew up with dogs, okay? We know we love dogs here in this culture, right? You know, the tail's wagging, the nose is cold, and we can do no wrong. But as I've traveled around the world, when I was in Russia, you had packs of dogs roaming around, and people didn't like them much. They were terrified of them. I remember walking through with the guy we were teaching in a Bible institute there, and he saw a pack of dogs coming, and I'm standing there by myself trying to figure out where he went. He's leaving me for Fido, food for Fido, right? I was in the South Pacific in the old Gilbert Islands, and they had packs of dogs roaming the island, and they could attack you. And in ancient Palestine, it was the same way. People didn't like dogs. You had to be careful. People would try to feed them, and they'd turn on them. And what this means is this. When we witness, when we talk about our faith with other people, there are people who are mockers and scorners. They really don't care. They're, they might be entertaining themselves by asking us a spiritual question so that they can pounce. I remember, I remember a colleague of mine saying to somebody that he was mentoring, when this unbeliever says to you, well, let's pretend for a minute that God doesn't exist and Jesus was a fake. He said, you don't sit there and go, okay. You don't do that because it's, it's, it's nuts. God is real. Jesus wasn't a fake. So why would you pretend that? And remember that the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. God is everywhere present. And you're talking to him about somebody who really doesn't care about him in a way that demeans him. And he goes, what you've done then is violated the third commandment, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. We think about it as cussing, you know, or cursing or things like that, but it's how we live. We don't cast our pearls before swine. We don't get into a debate with somebody and fight like they do. We don't get into a debate with somebody and accept their premises or presuppositions or hypotheticals. We live out our faith in a humble, reverent, and serious way. And we speak about our God in a humble, and serious way. It's not okay 
to do whatever we want. Christian liberty isn't living the way you want, free from the law. It's being free from sin. And as Christ's servants, it is our responsibility to be reverent, to honor him with our lips and our lives. And so we do not give to dogs what is holy, and we do not throw our pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear us apart. When I used to go home and visit friends and family on the East Coast, I had some people in in those circles who would ask me a theological question so that they could pounce afterwards. And finally, my wife goes, what are you doing that for? They don't care. It's just entertainment for them. So when somebody says to you around the dinner table, why this, this, and this, say, that's a great question. Why don't we meet tomorrow, bring a Bible, and we'll talk about it over coffee. You know what happened when I did that? Nobody took me up on my offer. Why? Because they didn't care. All I was doing was casting my pearls before swine. And that's why it says in Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. When it says, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we live our lives in a way that indicates we take him seriously, that we revere him, that we honor him. We live our lives in humility, saying not what I will, Lord, but what you will. And that is the profile of the real deal. That's why it says in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation, live out your salvation, live out your sanctification with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. We understand that we are servants, that we are slaves, and that we serve God. And we don't get to play games with his name. We don't get to cut ourselves slack. I know it sounds tough, but that's the way it is. You can be a slave to Satan in this world, or you can be a slave to God. But as the great theologian and songwriter once said, Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody, right? First Peter 1, 17 through 19. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, we live in a secular culture where many times well-intended Christians try to be hip or relevant by being irreverent, but that's not worship. And our lives are to be worship. And what is worship? We've talked about this before. Conforming your will to the word of God. Conforming your life to the word of God. We're not silly. We're not wasteful. You know, I watched, I watched, a, th- I watched a video of a guy speaking before the city council. He thought he was representing Christ and he was representing himself. And he got out there and he made a fool out of himself. And in so doing, he took God's name in vain. And those people just looked at him like he was crazy because he acted like he was crazy. He wasn't cute and he wasn't funny. You know, and all he did was confirm for them that people who believe in Christ must have a screw loose or shouldn't be taken seriously. We are reverent. We make the most of every opportunity. We do not throw what is holy before dogs or pigs because they will turn and tear you to pieces sooner or later. Hallowed be thy name. We hallow rather than waste his name. The sixth element in the profile of the real deal is this. The real deal, the true Christian, the faithful Christian, the humble and reverent Christ follower is obedient, not complacent. Obedient, not complacent. That's the profile. The question is, is it mine and is it yours? Where do we see this? Verses 13 and 14. 
Jesus says, enter through by the narrow gate. It's a command. It's an exhortation. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.